Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this topic matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. Dr. Casey Grover here once again as your host. Unfortunately, summer has come to a close. It's been wonderful getting to spend time with family. However, trying to research, write, record, and edit podcast episodes is tough around summer travels. So, as we head into the fall with kids going back to school, I'm looking forward to putting together some good episodes for this podcast. For anyone like me that is going through the American Board of Preventative Medicine Practice Pathway for board certification in addiction medicine, the board exam is coming up in October. All the more reason to put together some great episodes on addiction medicine. All right, enough banter. Let's move on to today's episode. Today's episode is on methamphetamine use disorder, specifically a high-level overview of methamphetamine use disorder. I found a paper that provides a fantastic high-level overview of methamphetamine use disorder, and we will use that paper as the evidence-based backbone of this episode. The article is entitled, Methamphetamine Use Disorder, The Next Addiction Crisis. It was published in the journal JAMA Psychiatry in 2020, and Martin Paulus is the lead author. And with that, let's dig right into this paper. The authors begin with an introduction section to provide background on methamphetamine use disorder. The authors note that methamphetamine use has been on the rise, with methamphetamine use increasing fourfold between 2015 and 2016 in the United States. Outside of the United States, methamphetamine use has increased as well, including spreading to new markets in countries which previously did not have high rates of methamphetamine use. Furthermore, methamphetamine is a versatile substance, able to be used in multiple forms, including crystal, powder, and pills, each of which has different pharmacokinetic properties and may be more or less desirable to certain users. And this increase in methamphetamine use is not without consequence. From 2011 to 2016 in the United States, the age-adjusted rate of drug overdose deaths involving methamphetamine has more than tripled. Methamphetamine use disorder also proves to be much more difficult to treat than other use disorders as there are no approved pharmacotherapies for methamphetamine use disorder and the unique neurobiology of methamphetamines in the brain makes some behavioral therapies less effective as compared to when other substances are used. The authors then move on from this introduction section to describe their intent and methods in this paper, which is a literature review of various aspects of methamphetamine use disorder broken down into three sections, neurobiology, clinical presentation, and treatment. With that, let's move on to the first section of the paper, 
on the neurobiology of methamphetamine use. The authors begin by reminding us that the traditional view of methamphetamine's effects in the brain has been as a releaser of multiple neurotransmitters in the brain, most prominently dopamine, raising these neurotransmitters to supra-physiologic levels. And obviously we all know that methamphetamine is a stimulant. Now let's stop for a second and review how dopamine leads to addiction. Dopamine is our feel-good reward hormone and when substances or behaviors cause dopamine release in the reward centers of the brain, it feels good or even euphoric. The higher the dopamine spike, the higher the euphoria, and the brain compulsively seeks the substance or behavior again. Over time, with repeated behaviors or use of a substance that causes supra-physiologic release of dopamine, the dopamine system becomes dysfunctional and the brain becomes depleted of dopamine. This leads to dysphoria with low baseline levels of dopamine when not engaging in the behavior or using the substance. And the only way to get dopamine levels up to normal levels is to return to the behavior or return to using the substance. As methamphetamine causes huge supra-physiologic dopamine releases in the reward centers of the brain, it is extremely disruptive to the dopamine systems in the brain, and that is what causes addiction. Back to the paper. It turns out that there's more that methamphetamine does to the brain. The authors highlight three specific additional effects that methamphetamine has on the brain. Oxidative stress, neural excitotoxicity, and neuroinflammation. Some of these three processes are the same as those that take place in neurodevelopmental and neurodegenerative disorders. Putting it all together, the effects of methamphetamine in the brain lead to dysregulated neuronal processing, most specifically in the reward pathways of the brain and the prefrontal cortex. As an aside from the paper, I like to call this effect of decreased prefrontal cortex activity in substance use hypofrontality. The prefrontal cortex is responsible at the simplest level for helping us to make complex decisions and weigh out what is a good decision and what is a bad decision. The hypofrontality of substance use disorders explains the often erratic and impulsive behavior of patients with active substance use disorders. Back to the paper again. The authors move on to a very detailed discussion of the neural and cellular pathways of the toxic effects of methamphetamine in the brain. It's a bit too detailed for this podcast, so here's the basic summary. Methamphetamine, through multiple pathways, causes cellular damage to neuronal tissue in the brain. Some of the basic metabolic pathways that normal healthy brain cells use are disrupted, There is increased inflammation in neuronal tissue, and signaling between neuronal cells is disrupted. This is all in addition to the disruption that methamphetamine has on the reward centers of the brain by flooding it with dopamine. To quote the authors, quote, In summary, methamphetamine use disorder does not just reflect a dopamine dysregulation, but represents an altered brain state that is consistent with those observed in degenerative central nervous system diseases, end quote. For a detailed review of how the reward centers of the brain work, 
how addiction disrupts the normal functioning of the reward centers of the brain and the central role that dopamine plays in addiction, check out episode eight of this podcast on the neurobiology of addiction. The authors move on during this section on neurobiology to discuss some of the structural changes seen in the brain in patients who use methamphetamine. And once again, they go into quite a bit of detail here. For our educational needs, the take-home message is that methamphetamine use, based on the damaging pathways and processes that we just discussed, leads to atrophy and structural changes in multiple areas of the brain with reduced connectivity between various areas of the brain. The authors conclude the discussion on neurobiology by discussing what all of these damaging chemical processes and altered brain structures produce in people who use methamphetamine, and that is changes in cognition. The authors describe the impact of methamphetamine on cognition, and they note that it is complicated as there are multiple factors at play. For example, are some of the changes in cognition a result of methamphetamine directly, or are they worsened or are they primarily from impaired sleep secondary to the stimulant effect of methamphetamine use? Regardless of the exact etiology, people who use methamphetamine are noted to have impaired cognition in multiple domains. One study looked at patients newly abstinent from meth and found impaired motor and processing speed, impaired verbal fluency, and impaired attention. A second study looked at patients in long-term remission from methamphetamine use and found impaired learning efficiency, impaired visual spatial processing, impaired comprehension knowledge, impaired fluency, impaired processing speed, and impaired psychomotor speed. Additional studies of people who use methamphetamine have demonstrated impaired impulse control. These cognitive impairments are more common in older patients who use meth and those with higher amounts of methamphetamine used, both in terms of the duration of use and the amount used. Unfortunately, the cognitive impairment from methamphetamine use actually makes methamphetamine use disorder harder to treat than other substance use disorders. The cognitive impairment from methamphetamine use makes it harder for patients to focus on treatment and abstinence. And the impaired impulse control from methamphetamine use increases the risk of relapse. As you would expect, there is a negative correlation between the degree of cognitive impairment from methamphetamine use and the likelihood of being able to achieve abstinence from methamphetamine. The authors conclude this section on neurobiology by pointing out that more research needs to be done to determine if these cognitive impairments are reversible. Okay, moving on to section two of the paper, clinical presentation of methamphetamine use disorder. The authors start by describing the behavioral effects of methamphetamine use. And once again, methamphetamine is a stimulant. Methamphetamine use causes increased energy and alertness, decreased need for sleep, euphoria, increased sexuality, excessive talking, weight loss, sweating, jaw clenching, grinding teeth, and anorexia. Methamphetamine use can also exacerbate certain symptoms, and the authors divide these into three groups. First, psychotic symptoms, suspiciousness, abnormal thought content, and hallucinations. Second, 
affective symptoms, depression, suicidality, guilt, and hostility. And third, psychomotor symptoms, tension, motor hyperactivity, and distractibility. The authors move on to describe the time course of methamphetamine use disorder. They note that the transition from casual to compulsive use can be rapid. They note that it takes about 50 days from first use to develop cravings, 60 days from first use to regular use, and 85 days from first use to developing a methamphetamine use disorder. The authors do also briefly discuss methamphetamine psychosis, which I will skip over since we covered it in our last episode on this podcast. Risk factors for methamphetamine use disorder include adverse childhood events and psychiatric disorders, and both of these factors are also correlated with less successful treatment for methamphetamine use disorder. The authors then move on to discuss how people start using methamphetamine, and they describe two trajectories. Trajectory number one, using methamphetamine for recreational and performance enhancement purposes or to self-medicate from stressful life events. Those who use meth to self-medicate are more likely to be older, while those who use for recreation and performance enhancement are more likely to be younger and female. Trajectory number two, using methamphetamine as an opioid substitute, combining methamphetamine with opioids for a combined high, or to using methamphetamine to offset side effects from opioids. Regardless of the trajectory, methamphetamine use disorder is characterized by periods of intense use with intermittent sobriety and relapse. Without engaging in treatment, the five-year remission rate is only 30%. For those who do engage in treatment, 60% will relapse within the first year of treatment, while only 15% will relapse during the second through fifth years of treatment. The authors sum up this section on the clinical presentation of methamphetamine use disorder by saying, quote, methamphetamine use disorder is a chronic, relapsing, and possibly degenerative condition which is consistent with the profound molecular changes induced by methamphetamine, end quote. The authors conclude this section on the clinical presentation of methamphetamine use by looking at the medical comorbidities of methamphetamine use. This is obviously a big topic, and we could devote an entire podcast episode to it, but I'll stick to the high points that the authors made in this article. The leading causes of death associated with methamphetamine use are cerebrovascular disease and cardiovascular disease. Strokes may occur even in young patients as a result of methamphetamine use, and these strokes may be hemorrhagic. Methamphetamine as a stimulant causes vasoconstriction, which leads to pulmonary hypertension, accelerated development of atherosclerotic plaque, cardiac arrhythmia, and cardiomyopathy. And the most common cardiomyopathy is left ventricular dilatation with decreased ejection fraction. Finally, when there is comorbid opioid use along with methamphetamine use, there is obviously the risk of opioid overdose, which may be fatal. And we'll pivot here to the final section of the paper on the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder. The authors begin this section by discussing a large number of trials that have investigated various medications for the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder. Unfortunately, there hasn't been any strong evidence that pharmacotherapy has been successful for methamphetamine use disorder. 
Here's the author's summary. Quote, there is no sufficient evidence that pharmacological interventions by themselves are useful for the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder. End quote. Let's take a brief aside here. This paper is from 2020. If you remember, we covered a paper in episode 26 of this podcast on naltrexone and bupropion for methamphetamine use disorder that did show some benefit. That paper on naltrexone and bupropion for methamphetamine use disorder was published in 2021. So it obviously wasn't included in this paper that we are reviewing today on today's episode. Back to the paper. The authors move on to look at behavioral interventions for methamphetamine use disorder. Contingency management has been shown to be effective for methamphetamine use disorder. The authors describe contingency management as follows, quote, a procedure that aims to alter drug use by systematically arranging consequences which are designed to weaken drug use and strengthen abstinence plus community reinforcement, end quote. And if you were wondering, community reinforcement is, according to the authors, quote, adjusting an individual's environment such that abstinence is more rewarding than using the drug, end quote. Contingency management is not something that we use much in the emergency department or the acute care setting, but it's a very interesting topic and appears to be effective for methamphetamine use disorder, so we'll likely cover it on a future episode. Moving on, the authors also note that cognitive behavioral therapy has been helpful to reduce methamphetamine use, behavioral activation, which aims to maximize non-drug-related activities, has also been helpful in the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder, and finally, exercise has been shown to reduce methamphetamine use as well. And it's postulated that the natural release of dopamine from exercise helps to heal in the brain the broken dopamine system from methamphetamine use. And one last point, if you were wondering, combining Multiple behavioral interventions can be even more effective for methamphetamine use disorder, such as contingency management, cognitive behavioral therapy, and an exercise program. There is also some developing research that computer-based interventions for methamphetamine use can be helpful, but the data is very preliminary just yet. And that is the end of this paper. Let's go ahead and wrap things up with some take-home points. Number one. Methamphetamine is a versatile stimulant that is able to be used in multiple forms. Methamphetamine use is increasing both in the United States and globally at alarming rates. Number two, methamphetamine causes supraphysiologic release of dopamine in the reward centers of the brain and causes dysregulation of the dopamine system in the reward centers of the brain, which leads to addiction. Number three, Methamphetamine is also directly toxic to neural tissue through multiple mechanisms, causing changes in the brain similar to those seen in neurodegenerative disorders. Number four, as a result of the neural changes in the brain from methamphetamine use, cognition in methamphetamine users is impaired, which manifests as impaired learning efficiency, poor impulse control, poor attention, and decreased visual-spatial processing. 
Unfortunately, these cognitive changes make it harder to successfully treat methamphetamine use disorder as the decreased learning and attention combined with poor impulse control make it harder for methamphetamine users to learn strategies for abstinence and are more likely to give in to cravings and return to use. Number five, methamphetamine use causes increased energy and alertness, decreased need for sleep, euphoria, increased sexuality, excessive talking, weight loss, sweating, jaw clenching, grinding teeth, and anorexia. Methamphetamine use will also worsen underlying psychotic and affective symptoms. Number six, due to the intense release of dopamine in the reward centers of the brain caused by methamphetamine, methamphetamine use disorder often develops rapidly after first use in as short a time as 85 days. Number seven, the stimulant effects of methamphetamine use increase the risk of cardiovascular and cerebrovascular disease, including heart attack, stroke, and cardiomyopathy. Number eight, there is minimal evidence that any pharmacologic agents are effective in the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder, and there are no FDA-approved pharmacotherapies for methamphetamine use disorder. Check out episode 26 of this podcast for a review of a recent study that showed some promising data on bupropion and naltrexone for the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder. And number nine, behavioral interventions may be effective for methamphetamine use disorder, including contingency management, cognitive behavioral therapy, and behavioral activation. Exercise is also helpful as an adjunct to behavioral interventions in the treatment of methamphetamine use disorder. And that is the end of this episode. Thank you for listening and thank you for what you do. And don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.